Join me in the prayer of confession. O Lord our God, we confess that we are too easily tempted by the world's craving for security, money, and control. We admit that we are to bestow your good gifts upon us than we are to seek them. You are more willing to give than we desire or deserve. Help us to seek you first that we may truly find, to ask that we may joyfully receive, and to knock that the door of mercy may be open to us. Little children, hear the good news. Your sins are forgiven on account of his name. Remember, fathers, that you know him who is in the beginning. Remember, young people, because you have conquered the evil one. Good morning and welcome to Yorkville Presbyterian Church. It's good to be back. I haven't been here for a while, but it's always good to be back in your home church. If you're visiting here, we are delighted. Whatever circumstance brought you in today, we're glad you're here. It doesn't matter if you're one of us, you're one of his. And so, we're glad. After the service, there's refreshments in the foyer. Feel free to stay and partake. There's some announcements. I started going through the happenings, reading through, and I'm, I've become a highlighter freak. I, I highlight stuff, and I'm highlighting this, and I'm highlighting that, and I'm thinking, that's sort of biased, you know, because this is, all this stuff should be mentioned, so I'm not going to mention it. I want you to read it. It's good stuff in here. Um, I noticed the bulletin. It says, leading in worship is Pastor Mike. That's wrong. Okay, he's not here. But please stay anyway. Um, there was another thing in the, in the uh, bulletin that was wrong, and this is probably my fault. Um, under scriptures, and I know you all follow along in the Pew Bible, you know who you are. Um, John 3, 15 through 21, that's wrong. It was supposed to be Romans 5, verse 8. So... That's on me. Let us continue this morning's service of the Lord with the children's moment. Kids, can you come up for that moment with Pastor Jeff? Come on forward. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. How are you all doing? Pretty good. Do you know what this thing is here? 
What's that? A Bible. Bible, that's right, that's right. Why don't you each take one of these? Yeah, on the front it says Holy Bible. But yeah, you can just call it the Bible. Now, you heard Pastor Rich talking about some verses that we're going to read this morning. It's very important as Christians that we have this book. Do you know know what's in this book? Have you heard the terms Old Testament and New Testament before? Have you heard that before? Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. In In the Old Testament, there are things like the Exodus, when the people of Israel are in Egypt and God delivers them from slavery and they eventually make their way to the promised land. In the New Testament, there are stories of Jesus. Maybe you remember some of the stories? Well, I thought that this morning it would be neat if you would each say something for me, okay? Would you be willing to be the voice of Genesis for us? Could you say for us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth? Could you say that? So that's one voice from the Old Testament. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Maybe you can find it. It's right at the very beginning. See? Genesis. Now, maybe, maybe you could be the voice of Exodus. W- would you be willing to do that? Say, um, Moses said, let my people go. Could you say that? Let Moses go. Let my people go. That's right. Thank you. So that's another voice. Exodus. But then there are also some voices from the New Testament. Right? Right? So maybe you could be the voice of Jesus. Jesus is on all those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? So why don't you say, hmm, I am the resurrection and the life. Could you say that? I am the resurrection of life. That's right. I am the resurrection and the life. And that's a voice from the New Testament. Maybe you can see it's toward the back. See, there's Mark. And maybe you, you could be the voice. There, there's one book at the very, very end called Revelation. See it? It's the very last book. Did you know there are, there are 66 books in here? 37 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. This is the last book. So maybe you could be that for us and say, Behold, I am making all things new. That's right. Thank you very much. You see, as Christians, this is our book. This is our book. We read it. We worship God through it. In a few minutes, we'll hear a sermon about things that are in this book. And it's very important for us to, even as children, even as teenagers, even as adults, even as grandparents, for us to read it and try to understand who God is and who God calls us to be. Could you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for giving us the Bible, your word. Please bless each one of these children. Help them to know your will. 
and to love you in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. We have to put these back in the classroom. Yeah, thanks. Although there's one in your pew if you want to look at it, okay? Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we might see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Pastor Rich has us in three places in the New Testament. Uh, we find those readings in Ephesians on page 192 in your pew Bible then to 1 John on page 241, and then to Romans on page 155. 
from Ephesians 1, verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. From 1 John. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And from Romans, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I'm setting this up here because I've got a dry mouth. Hopefully this won't get back to Mike. Okay. Wow. It's February 15th. And it seems to me that a message on love would be in order. It sort of makes sense. Being the day after Valentine's Day. That's right, my brothers and sisters. February 14th, yesterday. You may have been reminded of that, perhaps a little after the fact. Well, that happens. Humans are not perfect. Human love is not perfect. We fail. Humans are prone to do that. Our reasoning, our best intentions can fall short of the expectations of our beloved. To put it another way, we screw up. We get distracted by the day-to-day demands of living life. We get lost in a continuing crisis of some sort. Parents, kids, work, friends, and even ourselves. Yet, we will get back up, dust ourselves off, and try to love again only better. We will try hard not to be a disappointment, even though we know that sometimes we are and will be again. The problem we have is that we are human, and our understanding of what love is is viewed through the lens of our humanness, our human experience. We don't see it as God sees it. Our love is always going to be give and take, and usually, to some degree, self-centered. Missing Valentine's Day is just one of the many ways love can be tested. Let me give you a few more. Some illustrations from what would seem petty to the serious. Number one. Honey, Can you take out the trash? It's overflowing. Sure thing, babe, you say. Doesn't she see I'm working here? I'll be right there. 
20 minutes later as she is taking it out rather loudly, you realize that it had slipped your mind roughly about 19 minutes ago. And now she's hot and dinner is going to be cold. Number two, you're coming home from work. It's been a pretty good day. And on the way back to the old homestead, you're thinking just how lucky you are. You've received so many blessings. You've got a beautiful wife. God has given you both this wonderful child. You're looking forward to seeing them at dinner. And, ah, dinner. Perhaps she's making that fantastic pot roast for dinner. Your mouth is watering as you open the front door. And you're greeted with, your kid is driving me crazy. There is no pot roast. There is no dinner. Some people think of pieces of scripture in times like this. My parents quoted a lot of scripture because they're kids. At times I can still hear my mother saying to my dad, this too shall pass. I think it was their favorite verse of scripture. Although the actual RSV translation is, and it came to pass. I'm not saying that they were rewriting scripture. I'm just saying they had me as a kid and that would drive anybody to their wit's end. I'm just saying. Number three. Another situation that will push love to the limit as well as our faith. A spouse who has been unfaithful or a friend that's been a fraud or a loved one who has fallen victim to a horrific crime. How are we as mere humans, as followers of Christ, to deal with the inevitable anger and rage that these situations will surely bring? I have found in my own life that forgiveness can be hard and it's easier to be angry. Let's face it, anger can feel real good at times. Of the seven deadly sins, according to Frederick Buechner, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll your tongue over the prospect of bitter confrontations yet to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you're given back. Ah. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. God does not call us to anger. He knows it will harm us. He calls us to love. As imperfect as it may be, love one another as I have loved you. John 15, verse 12. And he calls us to forgiveness. 
Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Colossians 3, verse 13. This is what we are called to do. Because it is exactly what God has done for us, each and every one of us. Forgiveness, anger, unanswered prayer. These are all part of the human condition that is woven into the fabric of our failed understanding of what love is and what love should be. They are topics that should be given their own special attention. And that's not happening today. I want to focus on the one thing, the only thing that overcomes them, that penetrates them, and allows us to get on with it, to move past and to move forward. The love of God. He has given us this wondrous gift, the gift of his love. Have you ever wondered about it? Have you ever explored it? Even a child knows that a gift must be opened and explored before its true value can be realized. Yet many people neglect to unwrap or understand the full implications of God's love for us through Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 1, verse 4, we learn that we have been chosen in love. The saints were so aware that love is not something to be worked for, to be worked up to, or to be learned in workshops. It has been given to us. His love breaks through the barriers that we've learned to put up brick by brick to protect our fragile emotional selves and then when it happens, when love breaks through, we act surprised that we discovered it. We want to tell somebody, thank somebody for it. Because we know we didn't create it, we know we didn't practice it. The truth is, we are just participating in it. His love is that which underlies and grounds all things. So, what is the nature of this love? God's love is total. It's unconditional. It's absolute. It's forever. No limitations, no restrictions. God's attitude towards us is a constant state of grace. I love this, don't you? But can we trust it? Why is it so hard to believe in God's unconditional love? Because it seems so unreasonable, you say. Don't I have to earn it? Well, if you want to look at 2,000 years of history, a case could be made that humans do not want a God of love. They want religion. 
and all its trappings because that is so much more comfortable. The ritual and the formulas that are familiar, we do this, we can expect that. But this reckless, raging fury of God's love, oh, baby, hold on. In that love relationship, I have no control. There will be challenges and demands. I would have to deal with the unpleasant stuff of my life. Guilt feelings, feelings of unworthiness, and personal failures. I know how I am, and you know how you are. We only know and can only respond to love in the context of our humanness. And so we will view this question of God's unconditional love through a different lens. Not, does he love me, but could he love me? We know that a lover always makes demands. This is true. That is the very nature of love. Trying to respond to the demands or dreams of a loved one carries with it the, the fear of failure and disappointment. And even unlovability. This is true. And the weight of that can keep you from moving forward in your relationship. But this is a human quid pro quo understanding of love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. 1 John 4, verse 9. Divine love says, Learn of me and my ways and of all the wonderful things I want for you. Jesus says, Try life without reservations and without fear with me. You will fail at times. There will be disappointments. That's okay. That's all right. I'm bigger than that. Trust me. I love you anyway. God's love evokes our love. It's not the other way around. And so, this divine love is both the model for how to love and the power that enables the love of Christ in you. He loved us first. He remembers us. Romans 5, verse 8 states that this proves his love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Loved ones, we must take a clue from the children and open the gift. Opening this gift from God, this precious gift of Jesus, will mean something different for each one of us. Simply because we are different. No two will respond the same way, yet everyone is important. I need the Christ that's in you just as you need the Christ that's in me. 
we're together. We have to immerse ourselves in the mystery that God has loved us, even in our unlovability and our brokenness. Once you accept that, you can't be dualistic anymore. All quid pro quo thinking falls apart. You've been set free to love unconditionally. What will we do with such freedom? Amen. And at this time, may we collect this morning's tithes and offerings for the continued work of God in this place and on the mission field. We are made alive and loud, apparently, by God's wondrous gift of love. One thing we do is bearing one another's burdens and sharing joys and concerns that are among us. Because of a mix-up in the World Wide Web this week, we do not have printed for us joys and concerns to share. So I thought I would give us an opportunity to voice them now, if there are any among us. Prayers of healing for Marge Bremer, who's broken her hip. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Oh, uh, Tom Nelson it remains at Maria Joy Hospital. Thank you. Prayers for Tom Nelson. Yes. Prayers for Jean Bornman and her re continued recovery. Yes. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> yes. Let's pray together.
Oh God, we praise and remember you this morning as the one who inspired the full range of the Psalms. Sometimes you're the God under whose wings we take refuge, the shepherd who makes us lie down in green pastures, the strong tower who delivers us and comforts us and protects us. But in other times, you are the God who seems absent, the God to whom we cry, yet all we hear is silence, the God who seems like an enemy, who confuses or frustrates. We remember all the kinds of prayers in the Psalms, those of thanksgiving, those of confession, prayers of judgment, prayers of truth, personal and communal prayers, prayers of lament and joy, prayers of desperation. God, just as you heard the full range of prayers and the psalms of your people, so hear the range of our prayers this morning. Hear our prayers of comfort and healing for all those suffering around the world, for those without food and clean water, without relationships of nurture and love, for those without recreation and rest, for those with no place to lay their head. O God, who knows their names, be powerfully present in their dire circumstances. O God, who makes all things new, hear our prayers of justice for those who govern nations of the world. Lead them into ways of peace and fairness and compassion Hear our prayers of joy and thanksgiving for the beauty of your creation, the sustaining love of family and friends, for fun and laughter, and for the communities in which we live. Hear our prayers of gratitude for the presence of your spirit that keeps us going through the darkest and bleakest hours. Hear our prayers for the whole church in South America, in Asia, in Africa and North America, in the Middle East, in Europe. We pray for the mission of your church in every place where worship is happening in many languages, in many styles, in many kinds of buildings. Strengthen and bless and protect your people. We pray too for all the joys and concerns that have been lifted up already here this morning at Yorkfield Presbyterian Church. We think of Marge Bremer, whose hip has been broken and who is now in rehab, strengthen her God. And we think of Sharice, too, who's recently born a son, Joshua, who's premature. We pray for quick and steady growth. We remember Tom Nelson, as well, who remains in the hospital, for Jean Borman, Bornman, giving you thanks for her good recovery and praying that it continues. And for Nick, who's just heard such devastating news of a heart condition. We remember the leaders of this church, both ministers and elders and deacons, those who volunteer, those who have been with us for a long time, and those who are new. Help us to be a community committed to your mission in this world. Help us to remember 
your wondrous gift of love. Wake us up, God of all mercies, to who you are and who you call us to be. Make us your presence in the world. Teach us your wisdom. Pray in the prayer that Christ taught his disciples to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
As you go from this place, go in the love of God. He loves you as you are, not as you should be, but as you are. Feel his embrace around you and savor the moment. Feel his love given through our Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.